Well, a fellow you, uh, you may remember named Vince Lombardi. You remember him? Yeah, I figured a friendly crowd in that arena. Uh, in the early 60s, just after losing a uh, Super Bowl, uh, the Packers began kind of a new season. Vince Lombardi approached it as a rebuilding kind of season. And so he got all the new players together in the locker room. He got up under the bench, and he began to give one of his famous locker room speeches. During the speech, he reviewed the loss that they had experienced in the Super Bowl the year before, and he began to lay out the plans to return to that game and this time to achieve victory. As he was making his speech, he said, Gentlemen, we're going back to the basics. And then he held up this rather oblong brown ball and said, Gentlemen, this is a football. Well, that's what we've been doing, I think, in this series that we're in uh, called uh, Basic Training. We have been just going back to the basics of understanding some foundational things um, that are underpinning our faith. And today, uh, it's important for us to do that because the topic we look at today is a good reminder for us, especially for we who have been uh, around this thing called the church for uh, a long time. What we're going to talk about today is just looking at what, what does the Bible say about the church? What, what are the, the basic understandings? What's the basic training about the church itself? And you just heard the lesson uh, read, uh, but that's where I want to take you. I want to take you to that first place in the Bible where the word church itself is even used. Uh, and it is the experience you just heard read where Jesus is with his disciples and he is talking to them and asking them um, both kind of a generic question and then a specific question. And out of it, he begins to describe for us for the first time the basics that we can't forget about what the church is. Now, as you listen to the text this morning, you probably said, what are all those extra words in there? I've I'm not familiar with the text. The, uh, the translation that we'll use this morning uh, is the Amplified Translation. So if you're looking at it and you're saying, gee, I don't remember all those extra words. Well, it's the Amplified Translation that tries to do that. It tries to just amplify for us what, what the Greek text uh, is, is trying to say to make sure we don't miss it. And I'm using the Amplified this morning because I don't want you to miss it. This is too important for us as a church to understand what the Bible has to say about the church. Okay, So if you're ready to go, uh, we'll go ahead and uh, I won't reread the text. So uh, the slide guys can jump ahead three slides here. I don't want to reread it since you just heard it. Uh, we'll just go right to the first point. Uh, the first point uh, is that the church is a group of people centered around a proclamation. And these people are each in a personal building program. That's the first observation. The word that Jesus uses here in this text, uh, the word church, the Greek word is ekklesia. It comes from the verb kaleo. The verb kaleo means to call. You know, it's not talking about cell phones. It's, uh, it's talking about the process of calling together an assembly. The, the word ecclesia is about an assembly of people who are called out 
from the midst of a population. So you can have a general gathering, you can have a general meeting. You go to the population, you call out those folks who need to be part of this particular assembly in this gathering. What he defines for us by just using the word church is that we are a group of people who are called out from the world. I mean, a fundamental observation, right? If you are part of the church, if you belong to Jesus Christ, then you don't belong to the world. You are called out from that. If you belong to the proclamation that says Jesus is Lord, then you don't belong to the world. And that's what happens in the text. In the text, Jesus starts talking to his disciples and he asks them a simple question saying, who do folks say that I am? So he's asking a question first about the world. So what's, what's the answer in the world? Who do people in the world say that I am? And they say, oh, John the Baptist. Some say Elijah the prophet. They come up with all kinds of answers. But then Jesus asked the specific question. He said to them, and I highlighted uh, to make sure you don't miss it. He said to them, but who do you yourself say that I am? Now who's he talking about? Now he's talking about me, <laughs> right? He's talking about you. He's saying point blank, get in your face. Okay, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The church is simply people who understand and answer that personal question and say, Jesus is Lord. That's it. The church is people who are called out of the world, who are separated from the world by the simple truth and knowledge of the proclamation that says, look, in my life, Jesus is Lord. You may think other things, world. You may understand other things, world. You may choose to live other ways, world, but not me. I belong to Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord. It is the foundational understanding of what the church is. The church is simply people who say on a personal level, Jesus is Lord. Now, Jesus does a fascinating thing right after, Jesus, after Peter makes this proclamation. He does an interesting wordplay. In verse 18, it says, Jesus talking, he says, And I tell you, Peter, Greek Petros, amplifies, making sure we get it, right? He says, I tell you, Peter, and he calls Peter by the Greek word Petros. And Petros means a large piece of rock. So we got Peter, a large piece of rock. Then he says, and on this rock, he uses the word rock, only there he uses the Greek word Petra, and it is a huge rock, like Gibraltar. Isn't he interesting? He uses a little wordplay as he responds to Peter to say, Peter, you are one size rock, but I'm going to build my church on a huge rock. And that huge rock is the confession that you just made. 
You see, the confession that Peter makes is the foundational confession that identifies the church. We say, Jesus is Lord. That's who we are. We are the people that understand Jesus is Lord. That's our individual foundational proclamation that makes us the church. But that proclamation is huge. That proclamation is a huge rock, like the rock of Gibraltar. It is a proclamation that Jesus is going to build on. The church is not a group of stagnant people. It is people in a building program. Small rocks, one-size rocks, who are building on that confession of faith. Now what's interesting is you're hearing me right now and you're saying, oh, there he goes. He's talking about church growth. We're going to build. We're going to include more people. Yes, of course. But you know what? It's a personal proclamation that Peter makes. Jesus understands that when you make that proclamation, you ent enter into a personal building program. You enter into a personal building program. You ever go to a, a new town and you go to the mall in that town? You know, the big giant mall and you know they've got a particular store like Macy's or something? And you go to that mall and you know the store is there, but you walk into the mall and you need to find the directory, right? So you go and you find the big directory and it's got the map and you look on the map and you look at the map and you find where the store is that you want to go, the Macy's, right? But that's not the only thing you have to find. What else do you have to find on the map? The bathroom. Thank you. Yes. If you're like me, all along the way, you've got to find the bathroom. Yes. Thank you. I, I didn't think of that one, Pat. Yeah. I should have thought. I could have worked that in really well, too, about our weakness and sin along the way. And But anyway. Yeah. No. You know what you have to find? Where you are. Right. you got it. you got to find that X. Right? you got to find the X. The X that says, you are here. See? You are here. But you want to go there. When you make the proclamation that says, Jesus is Lord, you begin a personal building program that says, I'm here. And I know God wants me to be here in my life. The church is a group of people who are in a personal building program. What's so cool is Peter, the guy that Jesus referred to as rock, remember? He picks up this same image when he writes in 1 Peter, in the second chapter. He says, Come, and like living stones, be yourself built into a spiritual house. What's he talking about? Stones who have entered into a personal building program. See, when you say Jesus is Lord, when you make the confession Jesus is Lord, you say, look, from now on, my life is governed by that confession. You enter into a personal building program that says, I am here, but God has something greater for my life to build it into a spiritual house. He goes on, for a holy, dedicated, consecrated priesthood to offer up those spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. He just gave you two goals in your life. 
You may be here, but God sees you as becoming this incredible priest in his kingdom. You may be here and you know how broken you are. You may be here and you know how ugly your life has been. You may be here and you know how many times you've given in to the wrong side of life. You may be here, but God looks at you and says, You can become a holy priest. And your life can become a spiritual sacrifice that pleases God all the time. Because you are the church. What's it mean for us? The church is not a group of perfect people. We're not a group of perfect people. We are a group of people who begin at a starting point that says, Jesus is Lord. And when you say Jesus is Lord, you're ready to give your life over and enter that building program to become everything God wants you to become. He understands that. Matthew 7. So everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus is talking, and acts upon them, obeying them, will be like a sensible, prudent, practical, wise man who built his house upon the rock. There we are, back to the rock. See, we may start, you are here, but God understands what we can become. And the church is not a group of perfect people, but a group of people who have entered into that building program to live lives that please God, that are holy priests, that become incredible lives doing things for Christ. Second thing, it is for us to understand that at its basics, the church is a movement of people. It is not an institution. This is so important for us to remember, especially we who've been around the church for a long time. In Berlin, at the art gallery, there's a painting by an artist named Mengel. And what's interesting about the painting is the painting is only partially finished. The painting is supposed to be a painting of King Frederick of Germany, who is standing in the middle and talking to his generals. Mengel, the artist, as he began the painting, he painstakingly painted in the generals first. So he worked day and night doing this painting. He painted in all the generals, and before he could paint in King Frederick, he died. And the painting remains unfinished. Now what's interesting about the painting, Mengel put in the least important things first and left out the ultimate, most important piece of the painting, King Frederick. Amazing? It's kind of like what, what, what we do when we, we go out to a restaurant and we get this really great meal and they serve us the dessert as well. And then we look at our plate and we start and we look at the meat and it looks really good, but we start eating the green beans. Do you do that? Am I the only one who does that? And then you eat the mashed potatoes because you just can't wait and you savor the idea that you're going to finally get to this wonderful piece of meat. And even beyond that, you've got the dessert just waiting for you over there. 
And even though in your mind the whole time since the meal's arrived, the one thing you want more than anything on the table is the dessert. Right? Am I the only one that thinks that way? It's the most important thing on the table. That's what I want. Right? See, we've got to remember this. The church, the church gets lost in the unimportant stuff of the institution. And we're not an institution. The church is a movement. Jesus said, I will build my church. Notice he says, I will build. He entered into a building program. He entered into the process of building something. The church is God's creation by God's design, and he is building it. It is a constant movement of people. Paul told the church in Ephesus this when he wrote to the Ephesians. He said, you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. Do you see the process there? I mean, it started with Jesus and it went through the apostles and the prophets and ultimately it comes down to us and we're carrying forward the movement, the experience of Jesus continuing to build his church. We are ultimately, if we are the church, we are people of action. We are not people who are supposed to get comfortable. We're not people who are supposed to spend our time worrying about the small things of the institution and maintaining it. We are people who are supposed to stay focused on the most important piece of the picture. And that piece is being a people who conquer territory people's hearts for Christ. Jesus says, back when in the, in the first proclamation, the dialogue with Peter, he's talking about the church, and he says, and the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it or be strong uh, to its detriment or hold out against it. Now think about the image he just used. He said that Hades, hell, is like gates, right? And these gates are not going to be strong enough. Do gates move? I mean, gates don't go anywhere, right? I mean, they may open and close, but when you plan a gate, a gate is a gate and a gate stays, right? So in the image he's using, the people who are moving is the church, and we are seizing the gates. You get it? Hell is under siege. The gates, they're stationary. They're there. We, the church, are the people of the proclamation who are in movement and we're taking territory away from the darkness. We're saying to the people out there in the world, you need to know Jesus is Lord. And one heart by one heart by one heart, we're bringing people out of the darkness and into the wonderful, glorious light. We are people in a movement who are laying siege to the darkness. And Jesus gives us the confidence to say, keep the movement going, because those gates cannot withstand what you're doing. And when we back that into our personal lives, he's saying, look, 
keep the movement of Jesus as Lord in your life, the building program that's going on in your personal, keep the movement going because whatever the darkness is in your life, if there's some addiction that's got a hold of you, if there's some recurring sin that's taking over your life, if there's a roadblock into your marriage, if there's something that's captured your kids like drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever it is, the gates of hell cannot keep hold of them. You lay siege to them with the power of the gospel and you will win. You will conquer those things in the power of the confession that says Jesus is Lord. The church is a movement, not an institution. Now there will be forces that are up against us because we're a movement trying to reclaim the world for Christ. In Matthew 11, it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault, and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. What did he just tell you? There is a battle going on. We're a movement. We're a movement, people trying to take territory for Christ. And there are those who are going to resist us. And there is evil out there that wants to take hold of the church. Evil wants us to be an institution. Because institutions don't go anywhere. Evil wants us to fight among ourselves about the insignificant stuff. And lose our focus. And forget about the main thing. Jesus, on the other hand, is clear to the church. We are those who are supposed to be in a movement, taking over and exerting the authority of the kingdom of heaven right now in this place. Matthew 12. He says, But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possession unless he first ties up the strong men, then he can rob his house? What's our business? The church is a movement that is tying up the strong men that's got hold of other people's lives and freeing them with a confession that says, Jesus is Lord. That's what we're about. We're a people who are in a movement reclaiming the world for Christ and freeing people freeing people from the strong man, the darkness that has a hold of them. What's it mean? In this movement we are the people who bring hope to the world. We are the hope of the world. You look out there into the world and it needs hope, yes? And we are the ones who got the power to be able to bring that hope. And we have the authority to do that. Look what Jesus said again when he was talking with, with Peter right after the confession that Peter makes. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, did you think it was a big thing the first time Dad gave you the car keys? Jesus just told you something. If you are one who says... Jesus is Lord. He just gave you a set of keys. And what are those keys? Keys to unlock the kingdom of heaven. 
in your life, in the lives of others. He says, and whatever you bind, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, must be what is already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose, declare unlawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. What do you say? Church, you are a movement of people who has the authority of Christ in this world. You have the authority of Christ in this world. The authority to unlock the kingdom of heaven in people's lives. This past uh, week, I uh, had to spend a few days uh, out in uh, Columbus, and uh, it happened to be over Thursday. And uh, Thursday night, there was an important event taking place on TV. Uh, so I had to find a TV that had uh, NFL Network on it, and uh, stay in a cheap hotel so they didn't have it. And uh, so I ended up going to this place called Buffalo Wild Wings. Heard of those places? Yeah. Gigantic TV like that, you know, really cool. So I thought, okay, I'm just here to watch this, this game. And uh, so I went up uh, to the bar. Don't be offended that the pastor sat at the bar, but it was a great view of the TV. And uh, so I went up to, to the bar, and I sat at the bar. And uh, I'm sitting at the bar, and the game starts. And uh, lo and behold, a guy comes up and, uh, and sits next to me. And uh, he gets a, a tall one. And, uh, well, we begin talking. And uh, within minutes, within minutes, I find out this guy's life. I find out he's in the process of divorce. Find out he's got a son who's who's four and a half years old. Find out that uh, he's a stay-at-home dad and uh, had a hard time holding on to a job, and uh, really couldn't find a job that really gave him any meaning or any any purpose, where he felt like he was contributing to to the world or, or to his family. Um, Found out his wife's got a great job and she's making lots of money. But uh, then that's when their relationship started falling apart when they reversed roles and, and uh, well, they just started disconnecting with each other. And, uh, well, she sent him off to a weekend to be with uh, his parents and to take their son. And, well, she went off to a weekend to a motel and who knows what happens there. He's still not sure. Isn't that amazing? I'm sitting at the bar watching a game. And this guy's sitting next to me, and I understand his whole story. Now, that took one tall one. In the experience of one tall one, this guy started pouring out his life. You know what he didn't have? He didn't have any hope. And do you know the only place that he felt like he was known and accepted? Buffalo Wild Wings. He made an order. Gal behind the bar knew him, came over and said, what do you want? He said, oh, I don't need a menu. I know it by heart. I'm a regular. He knew exactly what to order. That was his place. That's where he hung out. He needed hope. He needed a place where people could say, you are so incredibly loved by God. And there is a power, and I have a key. And this key can unlock the darkness you're in right now. This key can recover your marriage. This key can help your son grow up strong and have an incredible life. This key. You see, in our conversation before we got done, and he got through with his second tall one. I was still on my first one, by the way. Before he got through with his second tall one, I was asking him and saying, well, 
listen, do you go to church? Do you have a church? Well, yeah, I kind of went to this one church one time or a couple times and I thought about joining, but the pastor seemed like a nice guy. Well, what was the pastor's name? Well, it was Pastor Dave. Well, do you know Pastor Dave? Yeah, he seems like an okay. Well, you think you could go talk to Pastor Dave? Well, maybe I could. See, he needed to go out of Buffalo Wild Wings and he needed to go to the place where there's a key that can unlock the burden in his life. That's what we are. We are the people who have that kind of key. And we can unlock those burdens that are hold pe holding people's lives down and holding their lives back. We have a key. And that key is the key to the kingdom of heaven emerging into their life right there, right then. You see, in that moment, it was an opportunity for me to be the church. To be the church for this man and say, I've got a key. You need to go talk to a pastor. You need to go to a church. You need to understand that the answer to your problem is in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you'll ever get there. I don't know if the seeds I planted will ever take root but I know I tried to give him a key. It's what Romans 1 says. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ, for it is God's power.